podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yes, people, what's going on? Welcome to Uncensored. I was about to say McCola and Housen. I was about to say McCola and Freddie. But no, it's McCola and Rory. I've brought my good old mate along, Rory, for Uncensored. Rory, welcome to the show. Mate, I'm honoured to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us, man. Like I was, I was thinking, who can I get on Uncensored this week? Obviously, it's always been a United fan. But I thought, <laughs> it doesn't have to be a United fan this week. I can bring in one of my good mates. We can have a little chat. Obviously, it was made even better by the results yesterday, for me anyway. Um, but... It's just good to be able to have you on here and we can chat about whatever we want. So basically, I've been told we have to talk about the Champions League. But because it's uncensored, if the conversation goes wherever we want it to go, that's fine. We can just okay. carry on talking about that. So and the nice people freedom know. There. Yeah, because we do videos yeah, that are titled like why Manchester United are the greatest team in the world or the rubbish the most rubbish team in the world. And then we end up talking about like our days in school or like old stuff. So we made a show where we were allowed to do that. Did you get me? Like, and people can't complain. Exciting news. Our friends over at Manscaped have just launched their fourth generation performance package. And that includes the lawnmower 4.0. 4.0? That's right. The lawnmower 4.0, which includes a 7,000 RPM motor to take care of your spuds when you need it most. Make sure you join 2 million men who trust Manscaped. And you can do that by going to manscaped.com and getting 20% off and free shipping using the code PADDOCK20. We've all had it where you're trying to trim downstairs, you've got a big date coming up, it's your Valentine's, it's the anniversary, you need to look spick and span down there. But what happens? You end up using your mum's hair scissors, you end up trying to do something weird, getting a blow torch out of the shed using an axe that your dad uses to chop wood for the fire none of that's gonna work you're gonna cut yourself you're gonna nick yourself we've all been there using the scissors to try and go around your balls like some sort of weird stencil it's not gonna work you're gonna nick them and you're gonna really regret ever trying to make it a diy job that's where manscape comes in look at this this quite simply put is the greatest device in trimming your pubes that has ever existed it's a lawnmower 4.0. It's got a 7,000 RPM motor. And the, the best thing about it is the anti-nick technology. You can see that there. Anti-nick technology, right? What that means is that you're not going to catch your spuds when you're trying to clean up in your trousers. Make sure you check out Manscaped. Again, it's not just this. They've got this, the crop reviver. This is what you put on. You're going straight out after work. It's in your work bag. Let me just nip to the toilet. Let me just freshen up. You got this bad boy, the crop preserver, straight out of the shower, pop it on. Deodorant for under the arms, crop preserver for under the garms. You know what I mean? You know what it is. And one of the best things about the Lawn Mower 4.0 is that it's waterproof. So you can do it in the shower, you can do it over the sink, you can do it at a public pool if you really want to. You might get kicked out, but you can do it there. That's the thing. Shave your pubes out in the rain if you want to. If that's what your thing is, you've got some weird fetish where you get in your truck, you drive out to a hillside, get in the flatbed, wait for it to rain, trim your pubes. This thing isn't going to electrocute you and you're fine to do that because that's your property. Or just do it in the shower like I do. It's fantastic, easy clear up and you don't have to worry about it breaking. And not just does that mean 
Yes, I can do it in the shower. It also means it's easy to clean because you get in there. Sometimes you get in there, you get your little brush trying to do it, trying to blow on it, get your little pubes out. No one wants that. Run it under the tap. It's clean, perfect to be stored away. So, you know what, your mum don't find it or your missus don't find it. Or she might use it, to be honest. So make sure you check out manscaped.com. Again, use the code PADDOCK20 at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Thank you once again to Manscaped for sponsoring the podcast. Back to the show, lads. But let's start at the Champions League. How are you feeling after all that? Well, for Chelsea, obviously, it was a it was a really bad night. And it's compounded by the fact that we had a really bad day against City. So it's kind of two in a row. And you know where these things have a tendency to manifest. Once you get two, the best teams, good teams, don't lose three in a row. So Chelsea now going into the game against Southampton, all of a sudden that becomes a must win, all eyes on it, a potential mm. banana skin. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I'm not worried for our progression in Europe, but I'm a little bit worried about the way that we're playing at the moment. But, mm. I mean, that's completely different to the way that you're getting on, isn't it? What an amazing, what an amazing night for, for you. It's, that's for me. I've seen some of the reaction on social media. And I just don't get it, Ad. I just don't yeah. get it. I just don't understand how you aren't over the moon with that. Yeah, I mean, I personally was on cloud nine walking out of Old Trafford. Um, I've been to games against Villarreal on a number of occasions and it's always been nil-nil at Old Trafford. <laughs> so even the fact that it was a couple of goals was just a bonus. But when you win and you win in the last minute, nothing gets better. And now during the game and in the minutes that were pre- preceded that winning goal, all sorts of thoughts were running through my mind. The, the, the wave of negativity that's going to come after this result. My disappointment at some of the performances. All that kind of thing. But then when you get the goal and you have those celebrations and you Viva Ronaldo in like it's 2008, you you have to be happy. If you're not, a man, if you're not happy and you're a Man United fan after that, I, I genuinely don't get it. Like we could save all the analysing and all that for, for, for later on. Um, immediately walking out of there, I, I was bouncing out. It was amazing. Um, yeah. Champions League nights back at Old Trafford. It's what you want. Um, I agree. I agree. And, I and it was important win. Well, well, it was a must win. That's the thing. It was a must win because of the because of the dodgy result that you had at Young Boys. It became a must win game, and you won it. Mm. And you won it in the most glorious way. Like I sometimes think that I approach football in a different way to a lot of people. Certainly, a lot of people on social media, but. The way that you won that game, for me, that's the best possible way. You've won yeah. a game, you've stolen a game in the last minute with one of your best players ever scoring a really good goal. Like That's not far off a spectacular goal, by the way. It wasn't easy. I mean, there was an element of fortune. There was an element of desperation, but there was also an element of brilliance. And the mm. way that you pinged it in, the second that that hit the back of the net, I was so envious of, of <laughs> you directly you because you're my mate who I know is at the game I know that you're there in the Stretford end and the second that that was struck by Cristiano Ronaldo that's the buzz and for me that's what football's about we're chasing the buzz and a last minute mm-hmm. winner in Europe has anyone got the audacity to complain about that yeah it's it, it, it's remarkable remarkable and you've summed it up really well like just being in the Stretford end that's what that's what those moments are all about do you know what I mean and um like it don't get better it don't get better but obviously it wasn't a great performance and that's true as well but when Ronaldo scores in the last minute ah oh, that's what moments are made of and we need we really did need that win because if you don't win that you're bottom of the group you know you've got Atalanta back to back you've got Villarreal away to come 
It looks like they've got your number because you can't beat them five games, six games on a spin. And uh, I would have found it. Ronaldo said after the game, if we didn't win here, it's looking difficult to go through. And I kind of thought, even with 12 points to play for, is right. Because the position we would have found ourselves in would have been disastrous. So I think it was relief, joy, Ronaldo's back at home in front of the floodlights like it was a mixture of everything everything um and i had this horrible fear that we were going to take ronaldo into the europa league could you imagine that oh oh yeah i know that'd be a crime and i do know what you mean and and look the the progression in these competitions is often done on the smallest of margins and the fact that i think if you were a villarreal fan last night you would have been disappointed with a draw let alone let alone a defeat You'd have been disappointed with a draw. They had so many chances, you know. Did you watch the full game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, no, I saw the highlights. But I saw okay, the they, chances. Yeah, yeah so the, the highlights would in the first half would have been predominantly their chances. Yeah. I think Ronaldo had a headed chance. Um, but apart from that, it was basically De Gea saving our bacon every single time. And let's talk about De Gea because he has shown some balls. Like... It was Villarreal last season where it looked like the writing was on the wall for him. Um, Europa League final, he misses the penalty. I don't blame him for missing a penalty as a goalkeeper. I don't expect my goalkeeper to score penalties. But he hadn't saved one. Like, if if you're taking that many penalties against you, I expect one to be saved with your David De Gea. After all the talk about Dean Henderson, after everything that had preceded it, it looked like he was done at United. And I was one of very few that was like, please just... Stick with him because there's still a goalkeeper in there. And I thought getting a centre-back in front of him that he could trust will help him, give him confidence. And to be honest, maybe I didn't expect this. I didn't expect him to be this good straight away. I expected him to reclaim his spot eventually. But he's I probably didn't expect him to be this good. I probably didn't expect him to be this good. But I also would agree with you. I mean, you made the point valiantly and very articulately <clears throat> consistently that people were getting carried away with Henderson. Like David De Gea was one of the best goalkeepers in the world, arguably the best goalkeeper in the world in very recent memory. So don't disregard mm. him. Don't disregard him for somebody who's had a good year at Sheffield United. You know, that that's not being mm. disrespectful to Henderson, but there are levels and the, the level between the two is very different. But what happened yesterday is... Why, the reason Manchester United won the game is because you have a world-class player at one end of the pitch and you have a world-class player at the other end of the pitch and they combined to win you the game. David De Gea kept you in it. Cristiano Ronaldo won it for you. And that is why, irrespective of form, irrespective of the debate about the manager, irrespective of Fred and McTominay, this is why Manchester United could, I don't think they will, but this is why Manchester United could win some significant silverware this year. Yeah, I, you mentioned McTominay there and look, there were... You know, I thought we got it. Weirdly enough, I he thought Ali got... didn't he? He went for McPob yeah. rather than McFred. No, but I thought it was... I thought McTominay was... We played a 4-3-3 yesterday. I've been crying out for a 4-3-3. But it showed you why we don't play it. Because McTominay isn't good enough on his own as that holding midfielder. He wasn't showing for the ball. He wasn't asking for it. He wasn't... You know, you want someone to get in there, pass me the ball, and then just pass it on. Pass me the ball, pass it on. Receive it again, spread the ball. Just keep playing it. And Etienne Kapui at the other end, where was he recently? Watford or something like that? Like, he was at Tottenham, he, I think, a long time ago. Tottenham yeah, and Watford, Watford like, yeah, yeah. He, he was there recently. He's, he's 33 years old. All right, he's playing for Villarreal. He's, he's re- resurrected his career somewhat. But, like, 
he was he was he was bossing it in there, and I just thought McTominay looked lost in there. So I understand why he doesn't play the four three three more often. But then I thought his substitutes initially were wrong. I got ridiculed in my review for saying I thought his substitutes were wrong, and then praising his substitutes. But both things could be true because there was two waves of substitutes. I think the the first one came around 60th minute, and he kept McTominay on the pitch. And he brought Matic on and he brought Pogba off. And I was thinking, what? how have we taken Pogba off and left McTominay on the pitch who's having no influence? And then, obviously, he got it right in the 89th minute. But I felt that Lingard substitution maybe should have come early. And Fred, for as much as I've ridiculed this guy, and as bad as I think he is at times, he never shies away. And yeah. unfortunately, yesterday, I thought McTominay shied away. And it's... Look, I can't blame him. He's not that player. He's a he's a good option in central midfield, box to box, squad player. He's not a Champions League number six sitting in there and bossing it. And that's what we were crying out for. But I thought Ali initially got it wrong, and then he got it right towards the end. So you have to give him credit for that. Um, but also, I, I, I agree. Thought... I agree. I, I look. I'm very. I've I've actually been <clears throat> over over Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tenure at Manchester United. I've actually been largely in favour. I've been generally, in terms of the majority of the time he's been there, very complimentary. However, the mm. line in the sand came for me at Villarreal. Manchester United, the biggest club in the world, bigger than a football club, an institution, uh, they don't lose to Villarreal. And the events that happened in Gdansk were the moments where I said, this isn't right. And I've, since then, I have been on his case. And I intend to be, and I intend to be every time he displays and gives me an opportunity to be. However... It's a meritocracy. When he gets it right, it's important that we acknowledge that. And whether you think the, the decisions made throughout, perhaps some of them were slightly questionable, perhaps some of them were slightly wrong. Mate, you've won a game in the most exhilarating of circumstances. You are now in pole position to qualify. You will qualify. I believe that it's the kind of result that will galvanise the team. You'll use it as a springboard to continue. And those are the kind of results... It's, you know, in a way, it's actually better to win the way that you did. Mm-hmm. In terms of in terms of in terms of what it means for Manchester United. Manchester United, the club that I grew up with, were a club that would never say never say die. They would fight until the very last kick of the game. And generally speaking, they would they would pull it out of the bag. It gives the team a belief. It gives mm-hmm. the team a genuine belief that they're never beaten. So the fact that you won in those circumstances, with Ronaldo scoring, I, I think it's perfect. I understand that people will, people who like heat maps and people who like passing <laughs> stats and whatever, they won't like it. They'll, they'll be livid, in fact. In fact, they'll probably be asking for the manager's head now, which is just the. I've seen a few nonsense tweets like, how did it feel like we lost and that? And I'm like, what? Like, oh, mate. what? Mate, you weren't to give me the Ronaldo. What are you doing? Wherever, whether you were in the Stretford end or whether you were in a Man United supporters group in Bali. You must have gone potty when that goal went in. Yeah, yeah. And, Trust and me, they did. That is that is the only thing that really matters, isn't it? And, yeah. and look, look. The biggest compliment I can pay to Solskjaer and the biggest statement I can make regarding Manchester United in Europe, I think you qualify now. And I didn't necessarily think you would have done before the game. So that's how big a result it is. It was a, it was a worrying time. And look, I, I fully hear that Ali is, and like you said, people are on his case, and maybe rightly so because a club has such as United, shouldn't be struggling to qualify from their Champions League group. You know, shouldn't be getting knocked out of the Cups early and those things. You know, you shouldn't be losing to Villa at home. But at the same time, like, 
he's got the opportunity now to to with this team to prove something. And it, look, he's not going to win a trophy in September, but the next couple of months are massive for us. Um, so I don't quite feel we've 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 qualified yet. I still think this doublehead is big. The Atalanta are probably the strongest team in the group. No disrespect to Villarreal and Young Boys, but um, I don't think we're qualified yet. But I do always feel like this. We need to use it as a springboard. We need to beat Everton um, because we've got some big fixtures after that. And you, a bad run. It, oh. I was dreading the negativity yesterday. I hate it, man. I hate it. I just want to be. I want to be good vibes only. Um, anyway, let's move on from that. Look, I was. I don't want to get too serious on it because I. I genuinely don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, it was two big games. Chelsea though, one shot on target in two matches. Romelu Lukaku misfiring in those games. Uh, any worries? Uh, yeah, I think there are there are cool there are reasons to be concerned. Worry, we're not quite on the you know on the scale. You know when things start going wrong, there's a sliding scale, isn't it? And game by game, mm. you pro- progress up it. I'd say I'm currently aware. I'm moving into I'm moving into concerned. Um, but I think one win and everything's back to normal. You know, if we beat Southampton mm. at home, which I expect us to. I think everything is sweet again. The problem, the problem at the moment is that there's no penetration. There's no cut and thrust. We are a team built up of beautiful footballers. Like, you know, the way Jorginho can grace a game and the way that <laughs> Mateo Kovacic beautifully dances around a football pitch. It's great. But I like a cut and thrust of a midfielder. I like a Lampard. I like a Balak. I like a Michael Essien. You know, the, you know somebody that just drives, picks a team, picks a team up by the scruff of the neck. Yeah. And at the moment we haven't got that. And do you know do you know what's happened in these past two games, the two games, City and Juve? Two top teams, obviously, but what's happened in those games? Anyone that doubted Mason Mount's ability, anyone that doubted the 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 prowess and the importance of Mason Mount is suddenly realising, wow, Chelsea are a completely different team without him. The way that we played against City, we were so lacklustre, weren't we? We were so pedestrian. Mm. That doesn't happen with Mason Mount in the team, pressing from the front. So I'm I'm slightly aware. I feel like maybe Tuchel has got it wrong a little bit for the first time, really, on back-to-back games. It hasn't looked good. We're not creating at all. Lukaku, it's difficult with the striker. Where do you sit on this one? Because if the striker isn't scoring goals, do you blame... I'm inclined to blame the striker. But if he literally isn't getting any service, is it the striker's fault? <sighs> It's, it's hard, it, isn't it? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a hard one because sometimes I think some strikers, um, Edinson Cavani being one, like I, I remember a run yesterday, I keep saying yesterday, uh, against Villarreal where the ball was rolling out for a goal kick or with the defender just having it near the corner flag and he chased him down all the way, kept it in from going out for a goal kick and then managed to rescue it. And it's like, so there's some strikers that can turn a bad ball into a good pass by just by just being on it. Do you know what I mean? Cristiano Ronaldo with those spills, like being ava- being available, having your run, timing your run, that's a craft, that's a genius. But then at the same time, there's some strikers that can do everything right in a game, be in the right positions, and if the service isn't coming, they're not getting it. And Cristiano Ronaldo was that against uh, Villarreal up until the 95th minute. <laughs> like, he literally was that. We didn't create for him. We didn't create for him against Aston Villa. So I think it's, you have to have a team that are creating opportunities. 
But there are times when a when a striker has to do himself a favour and, you know, chase down those loose balls and try and cause something to happen because a good striker can make sure a defender isn't taking that extra touch on the ball mm. so that he's rushing yeah. his next pass. So then, yeah. you know, he's, he's so you, a good striker can maybe get something out of a game, but ultimately yeah, I, I, he needs I service. I agree. You're, and, and you know what? At first, I was kind of posing the question thinking I didn't agree, but you're, you're totally right. A striker has a responsibility to create as well as, as, well as finish, not simply wait for someone else mm. to create and put one on a plate for him. But yeah, Lukaku hasn't hasn't looked good. I think what's happened is the two in the two big games, in the two in the two games that he's played against City and Juve, firstly Chelsea haven't played well, so it's hard for him. But also the centre halves have sewed him up. So I'm sure mm. he's aware of that. I'm he sure had chances he's... against Juve. I only watched the highlights, but he one, span I think one. Benucci he spun, once. He spun round Benucci he... once. He's kind of sliced it. Um and it and it ultimately went wide. But there was a header from a Callum Hudson-Odoi cross that I thought he should have done better with as yeah, well. Hudson-Odoi came on and looked good, actually. Do you know we made five... So, do, you, do you know Ross Barkley came on for Chelsea? I, I totally <laughs> forgot. Mate, I, I, honestly... I was Loftus-Cheek as well, right? Yeah, Loftus-Cheek's been featuring a little bit, actually. Loftus-Cheek came, uh, came on against Villa and did, did, did well. But, but honestly, when, when Ross Barkley was warming up, I was like, who the hell is that? <laughs> because like, it, was a, it was a wide shot and uh, and yeah he came on I, I didn't anticipate that at all but we made five substitutions to try and change the game I mean Tuchel tried everything but aside from Hudson-Odoi nobody really nobody really is made his first difference. sticky spell in it Tommy Ticks yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's the first one and, and also I mean you say sticky it's sticky because we haven't won but we've played Man City and Juve there's no there's no shame it's a poor in Juve first. side though it's never a poor... It, I, I don't agree, really. I know what you mean. It's the first time they haven't been champions. Comparatively to the for, last... Yes, yeah, first time they haven't been champions for nine years. First time they haven't been able to call themselves champions. And that obviously gets to them, because I heard Allegri talking about a relegation battle and all that. So <laughs> I know that he's bothered. But you say it's you say it's a poor team, and I, and I do know what you mean. But I don't ever see... Look, you know when I was covering the Liverpool-AC uh, Milan game the other day? Yeah. AC Milan are the pot fours in Europe. But I don't view them like that. I don't view it. I don't view... Part two minimum. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It doesn't matter. And I feel a bit like that with Juve. It's all very well to say, you know, know, they're not the team they were. And that's probably true. But they're still a team with excellent, excellent players. It was a bit tongue-in-cheek. You know what? I realise how stupid... Even if you play... It's like back in the day when you used to play Liverpool, even though they were rubbish. It's like you play Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? I agree. Like they, they, Juventus in the Champions League are a different prospect to Juventus. Yeah, but I even at feel home that against Bari in, yeah. in Serie A. Do you know what I mean? Like they're a different prospect, mate. If do you know what, if you know if you know if um, Hellas Verona finished yeah. above Juve one year and you could play one or the other in the Champions League, you're not picking Juve, are you? Even if <laughs> even if Hellas Verona are, are better, even it's just not. <laughs> So I'm yeah. I'm always aware of I'm always aware of the brilliance of a side like Juve and and when then you're talking about players like Locatelli and Chiesa and De Ligt and Kudrow. Oh, how quick is Chiesa? He's he's, he's deceptively quick in it, like because he yeah. looks like an old man. <laughs> like he looks, no, no, he just God. Yeah, he he's, he's so he's so swift. There was a moment I think Kovacic had a bit of a mare. Kovacic played a short pass to Christensen, but it was still Christensen favourite. Yeah, Chiesa just 
rapid, too quick. It's when he knocked it wide, wasn't it? And he maybe should have squared it. Yeah, exactly. He maybe Do you know who else is a player? <clears throat> Do you know that Adrian Rabiot? You know the French lad? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ball. He nearly pinged one in the top corner Ball. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good play. What, what, what that reminded me of actually was, because they scored in 10 seconds in the second half, it reminded me of Dal Piero scoring inside 26 seconds at Old Trafford. Was that um, the year? Was that the 3-2. year? 3-2. No, no, no. They beat us. Sorry, we beat them 3-2. I think that's 95-96. I was at the 95-96. Right. Or 96, 96. Because no, obviously, you, the, you, uh, the one when, when, a Man United fan, when a Man United fan brings up Juventus, I just always assume they're going to be talking about the, the game, the Roy Keane game. It, it was 97. 97. Um, Dal Piero scored after 26 seconds. And then Sheringham scores, Giggs scored. And is that the first, is that, in can second. you remember the fastest goal you've ever seen? That That's probably it. Is it? Do you know what yeah. my one was? I saw Luis Saha score against us in the FA Cup final for uh yeah it must have been for Everton I, I can't remember how quick was it but I think it was like 10 seconds I, honestly I think it was like 10 seconds because <laughs> I was walking down the aisle I wasn't even in my seat I'd missed a bide with me and all that there was, was, there was a goal there was a goal and I actually think it got goal of the season that year uh, Antonio Valencia scored for United and I was still walking up the stairs yeah it's annoying um because there was a big queue in that. How quick was that goal? Let me just check. Like, that was a... That is, it was a great goal as well. I'm sure he got goal of the season and I missed it. But it was like, inside the first... We battered Everton 4-0, so it was, I got to see more goals. But I remember Antonio Valencia, Volley, pinged it in. That pinger. What's the um, best one you've ever seen? Have you got, like, a goal that you were there for that you were just like... Okay, the that, the that one did. that I find myself referring to a lot is poor goals at Villa Park. The Volley? Yeah, like that. That is. And were one you in the ground? Comes... Were you there? Yeah, yeah, I was in the ground. Um, funnily enough, when I was before I did YouTube, I used to have a YouTube account called MUFC Ads, which was like just for commenting and stuff. But then you've seen like that Twitter thread I've done. Of, was it ADZ? Like... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so cool, man. You're so cool. I, I'm so cool. <laughs> um, you've seen the Twitter thread of pictures that I've done, innit? Yeah, it's like, brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Obviously, at that time, I also had videos, but it was like videos of me walking into the ground, so people just singing "Red Army" yeah. as you walking in and stuff like that. And I used to upload them to YouTube. And one of the videos was because we were winning at Villa Park, we were singing and that. I recorded the singing as that volley goes in. Oh, that's quality! Um, so you got but the obviously no, yeah, I've got it somewhere. But listen to this. So just before I actually started doing YouTube. YouTube and Google merged and then they they kept sending me these emails like merge your account to save your YouTube account and all this. And I just deleted it, do you get me? Uh, so I deleted this old YouTube account that I had of like videos like that. They were like 240p, very grainy. You weren't really seeing anything. But it was, um, yeah, I deleted it. And then like probably like a year later, I started actually uh, doing YouTube. It's a shame that would have done well. But I've got, I've got those videos on a hard drive somewhere. Yeah, that'd be great um, to find, wouldn't it? One day you dig them out. Yeah. So it's Sorry, so it's Paul Scholes for you. Paul Scholes is the one. I'm trying to think of another goal, um, but I can't can't remember. Um, I think for any Chelsea fan that was in the a lot of Chelsea fans. Well, there'll be forty one and a half thousand people along with me that just know the answer to this question because everyone that was in the stadium that day, I don't care what games they've been at since or previously, anyone that was at Chelsea versus Barcelona. You know, Ronaldinho. 
Oh, with the... Yeah. Any, I think everybody that was in the stadium, 41,000 people will say that that was the best goal they've ever seen. I be- Opposition I believe... goals, I've seen... <laughs> Weirdly enough, a Dean Ashton overhead kick stands out in my head. You love the West Grealish Ham. one. Do you remember the Grealish curler? You always Grealish, talk about that. That was a fantastic goal. Yeah. R9, I've seen him score at Old Trafford. Um, like, I've seen... Like that, but that Dean Ashton goal stands out to Dean me. Ashton. I don't know what it is. Ben Teke yeah. scored a great overhead kick where we beat Liverpool three two as well. Really? Um, it's always funny, isn't yeah. it? You, you know when you've won the game, you know there where you went. He scored a great goal. Daniel De Rossi as well. Sorry to cut you off there. We beat Roma seven one, and uh, Francesco Totti's whipped the ball in, and uh, De Rossi's like hooked a volley, and that was a great goal as well. Sorry to cut you off. No, that's you've just all you've done is actually prove my point. You're quite happy to flag United, and I've done it with Ronaldinho because Chelsea went through yeah. that day. Um, <laughs> you, you've uh, <laughs> you, you can always flag goals against you, like God, that Ronaldinho goal was great against Chelsea. You know, it didn't matter because we scored four. Yeah, and you can flag. I reckon if Chelsea had gone out, like I'll never, I'll never flag Iniesta's goal ever. Yeah, it's like I think Darren Ambrose scored a great goal against us for Palace. I'm looking at him Saturday. right now. I'm li- that's mental. <laughs> I'm literally looking at. I can see him over there. He's got some great goals against us and knock us out of the league cup. Mate, do you I know what? He's still, he's still a really, he's still a really good footballer now. Well, I'm, I'm ba- listen to what I'm basing it on before I. There's in the, in this office. You know those little chairs that are like a uh, like a shell, like a hub. So you sit yeah. in it and you're quite low, but you're like totally circled. There's a lot of those chairs in this building. And obviously, if there's a football in the room and there's that chair, there's a game to be played, isn't there? Yeah. Darren Ambrose mm. d- does it from like the length of the office. No no drama. Just pops it in there all the time. He's, he's only recently retired, right? Yeah, fairly recently, I think. But but the level that he can just pop it in, it's unbelievable. Like, I've seen Andy Cole try and miss, you know what I mean? Darren yeah, Ambrose, yeah, yeah. no nonsense. To be fair, I played uh, a challenge with Andy Cole and I think he just, obviously he's he's obviously had recent illness issues as well, um, which you obviously have to mention. But I remember playing with Andy Cole and it's like, I think some footballers, once you don't practice a lot, you just lose your eye, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Lose your also, eye quite Also, they easy. don't care. Like, like yeah. Andy Cole don't really care whether I see him pop it in a chair or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not going to affect anything, is it? I did yeah. a thing. I did a video the other day, right? I did a video the other day. I got a lot of hate, Adam. I got a lot of hate in, within the room. I mean, the people that I did the podcast with, because I put Andy Cole as the third best ever Premier League striker. Bro, yo, that's correct. I phoned. Um, I remember. I fo- so I had to do a call with Talk Sports, um, and they had Andy Cole in the studio, and they did it. So I was like, before I start, yeah, let me just say, Andy, I love you. And you're one of the most underrated strikers in Premier League history. They need to put some respect on your name. I remember saying that, like, and I, and I, I got, I'm quite passionate about this. I was like, you should have played more for England, and you're the only English striker that has done it in the Premier League and Champions League. Like, you have done it. How many yeah. English strikers have done what you've done? Like, and I was just going in, and I think it was Sam Matterface went, went, well, he's a. Uh, I, I, I disagree with that. I think it's good. I was like, bruv, shut up. You don't know nothing, man. Like, just don't get involved in this conversation. Is, if, he, if he took penalties, he'd probably have the record, wouldn't he? He'd probably have yeah. the goals. If he took penalties, he would probably have... I think, he's only, I think he only took one penalty, but scored it. But imagine if you added another... It's again, many, I don't uh, fault that people don't rate him, you know. Yeah, silly comment that sticks. Mm. Silly comment mm. that sticks. Yeah, yeah. You get that, though, don't you? It's like fat, like we get it with Frank, Frank Lampard. <laughs> Basically, one West Ham fan once said he was fat, and then it became a thing. Like he's never I remember, in his life. 
I remember also like Frank Lampard went from being like just people used to say at times early on like oh he's the best midfield like constantly constantly say mm-hmm. and at times he was up there with the best but like I remember he went from being a little bit overrated to everyone going he's overrated and now he became yo you like need to put some attention on Frank Lampard's name no, because now that. you're just happened, now, yeah. you, now you're underrated him like it's just went the complete fit reverse mate that happened recently Luka Modric went from the most underrated to the most yeah. overrated in about how did he win weeks. a Ballon d'Or yeah he went from the most like basically people were saying that he was people, nobody was giving him any respect which was obviously not right yeah then they went oh shit he's good this guy get a Ballon d'Or hang on a minute <laughs> whoa, whoa what <laughs> Isn't that what happened with Cannavaro a little bit as well? Yeah, a little bit, I think. Or did he even des- did he deserve that? I don't no, think. I think no. it, I Does think a defender ever deserve it? Captain Italy to the World Cup, didn't he? But listen to me a sec. The reason I think a goalkeeper and a defender never deserves a Ballon d'Or is because if they were the best player in the world, they wouldn't be a goalkeeper or a defender. Oh, it's the best at what you do, isn't it? Is he like is he the best at what he does? Mm, no, he's the best player in the world. It's, I, I kind of know what you mean, but it isn't only about it isn't only about tricks and whatever is it. It can be about not, not defending tricks. or, or it, just no, relentlessly goal scoring as a yeah. I, all right, but I just feel like maybe a fullback could do it because they're bred differently these days. Mm. You know what I mean? But I just feel like if you're a centre back, particularly or a goalkeeper, unless you're Stevie Bruce in it and you're scoring ten plus goals a season. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear yeah, no, it. I, I kind of know what you mean because they don't. Yeah, I kind of know what you mean. Although generally speaking, it's won by, it's won by attacking. I mean, didn't I remember Buffon nearly won it, didn't he? The year that Cannavaro mm. won it, it was there was all the talk that it was going to be Buffon. I think. Who and that was you... the year, that was the year that Henri got <laughs> Henri got done because it should have Henri finished third that year. I think <laughs> and Cannavaro and Buffon above him. <laughs> So maybe that's a good thing, just to rattle our fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've both gone. Yeah, keepers and defenders shouldn't shouldn't really win it, but they both finished above Henri. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think's the best player to never have won it? So you got Maldini, Raúl, Henri, Xavi. Uh... I mean, uh, do you know what? I think that there are certain players that probably would have deserved it. Uh, look, do you know what's happened as well? Because it's just been dominated by two players since what about twenty. 20- not to, what 2008 something like that it was yeah. dominated by the same players anyone that finished sort of second or third well third because I suppose they were finishing first and second themselves they got to feel hard done by do you know what I mean like I don't know Iniesta we're saying your Suarez could have won one Neymar yeah, probably could Iniesta have won one probably, Iniesta and Zabi Iniesta should have probably both had it at some point the one that sticks in my throat is Beckham 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 should have had it was that the year he you won the overlooked. treble yeah, he got overlooked for that. That, that was a disgrace. Do you know man. who won it? Rivaldo time? won it, I think, and we knocked him out of the Champions League. Yeah, but do you know what? There was a there was a year I think Frank Lampard finished second to to um to Ronaldinho. Like no shame in that. But he Frank Lampard finished second one year, and I think Steven Gerrard finished third. Gerrard's another one that probably probably could have won. Do you know? I'll tell you who else probably should Don't have you... had one. Dennis Burkamp at some point in his career. I disagree, man. If you can't jump on a flight, you don't deserve a Ballon d'Or. Eric Cantona, would he have deserved one? Who was... You, you, you kind of... Were they, where, what, when did they start giving them out? Oh, mate, it used to be... Like Stanley Matthews won it, mate. Everyone it used to be World Player of the Year as well, didn't it? 
No, I think he's been going for. I, I know that. I know that Stanley Matthews. Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, because George Best has got one. What am I talking about? Dennis yeah. Law and Charlton. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. But who did you say then? Cantona. Yeah, I said who like who was winning it in night? Like he would have won it when ninety six, maybe. No, it's just that in the Champions League. Earlier, Champions Cantona League, we never it. really. Yeah, true. But what about Champions you know the League year where Cantona really took the took the title from Leeds to Manchester? You've got to be in the conversation then, and over those years, haven't you? I wonder who won it then. Then what year? It might ninety two. It would have been around ninety three. You'd call it, wouldn't you? It would have been someone at AC after, Milan. It? it would have been one of the AC Milan boys. That's when they were wicked. That's like Rud Hullet and them boys. I think. Yes, yeah, so ninety three. Roberto Bag. Actually, Cantona was third. It was Roberto Baggio, Burkamp, and Cantona. Right, right, right. So that would have been what ninety? What year? What year with that? Ninety three. Ninety three. I'm surprised that that wasn't uh, AC Milan. That's like the AC Milan era, wasn't it? Yeah, interesting. That one. Juventus is Baggio. The year before Van Van Basten won it. Ah, there we go. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Milan era was, uh, check this out, 1988 and 1989. So first, second and third in 88 was Van Basten, Gullit and Rijkaard, all of Milan. No way. Um, And 1989, first, second and third was Van Basten, Beresi, Rijkaard, all of Milan. (laughs) Mate. So for two years straight, they had the best three players in the world play for their team. Wow. That, that That is amazing, isn't it? That and is, interestingly is... enough, obviously they were a lot better back in the early 90s and late 80s. Uh, Red Star Belgrade had... Oh, that would be Savicevic. Yeah, so they had Savicevic and Panchev, uh, joint second with Lota Mateas in um, 91. Where was Mateos? You... By... No, Inter. Inter, yeah. And Jean-Pierre Papin won it. Oh, for Marseille. That's the year they won yeah. the Champions League, isn't it? Jean-Pierre Papin. in goal. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, Abidi Pele. They had they had a geezer called Abidi Pele who was brilliant. Matthias um, Sammer was the one who stopped R nine from winning it. In Sammer, you ninety six. Obviously, Ronaldo won it in two thousand and two. Matthias um, Sammer won it ahead yeah. of R nine. <laughs> yeah, in ninety six, didn't Dortmund win the Champions League? Yeah, they did because they, they knocked us out, didn't they? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, they did. It was with. Do you remember they had the Scottish midfielder who managed Norwich? Um, Lambert. Paul Lambert. He 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 played yes. in that game. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Lambert. Well played, mate. This has become a very nostalgic. Uh, this has become a very nostalgic uh, episode of this show. I hope that's going to be okay with everyone. It, 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 I mean, it's not. It's stayed on football, which I think is quite good. Um, oh, what does it sometimes drift even beyond football? Do you just start? Yeah, talking yeah. About, it, like, like, usually like, we end up not talking about football. Right, right, right. Okay, no, so, so, uh, so progress. I've managed to at least keep it on, on, uh, yeah. on track. So your favourite player to never win a Ballon d'Or was? Frank Lampard. <laughs> David Beckham. Two Englishmen. Yeah, do you, um, do you know what? Funnily enough, when, when, I'm, when I'm working here, I'm surrounded by TVs, right? In this, in this room, if you're, list, if you're listening, I'm just sitting in a room full of TVs. And uh, the other day they had on like, a season from Manchester United and it was the game where you played at Tottenham. You know, I think it must have been the five-three. There was a, a moment, a goal that Skulls has like prodded it out wide to Beckham, and he shot and he's curled it like the wrong way yeah, into yeah. the far into the far post, away from the goal. Away, yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it, you're <clears> curling it the way as if you're crossing it, but he's obviously shot. 
and he's curled it, whipped it into the far post, done a mad celebration. Paul Scholes gone mad with him, like, like baffled actually. Was I like, think that was the Spurs game at Old Trafford for the treble, maybe? Yeah, it was because like, did they score first? Like, I was just yeah, watching Les it Ferdinand. Was, and then Andy Cole's kind of lobbed the keeper, like hit yeah, it yeah, over. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah it was yeah. that game. But mate, what, what was that to secure the treble? So that was to secure the Premier League, and then. But that was the treble season, the tri- yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. So then we got the FA Cup six, five days later, six days hey, later. Hey, then... you'll love this. Ad, you know, I was out with my my cousins and Arsenal fan. A lot of because I'm from North London. A lot of my family are Arsenal. I went to the pub with my with my cousin, and I've no idea. Listen to how much it still irks them. Do you know what he said? He's talking about United treble because obviously they won the double, you won the treble. And he's gone, like, this is, gosh, mate, like, you, you're married with a kid. You've got to have moved on from this. <laughs> he's like, no, nah, mate, it still gets to me. I went, oh, go on. He said, look, if Burkamp scores that penalty, we win the cup. I went, all right, maybe. He went, and I'll tell you what, this is when I was like, you're mad. He went, we played Leeds United. And if Nelson Vivas didn't slip, we would have won the league. And Man United wouldn't have a... I was like, wow, Nelson Vivas is on your mind. Like, it's, it's a 10 like, What are you doing? <laughs> He's like, we played Leeds United, Nelson Vivas slipped, and that's where it all went wrong. So I'm yeah. going to have to let this go. <laughs> and in a roundabout way, from the start of the show to the end of the show, we were talking about kind of people on Twitter at the start, weren't we? And when you see people bitching and moaning a lot and like taking sh- uh, slide digs at United, it's because of that. Yeah. It's because they're sat at home thinking about Nelson Viva slipping <laughs> and Man United winning the, treble, winning the yeah, league yeah. and winning yeah. the treble. It's because they're thinking about something in their childhood yeah. that related to Man United. So, uh, Rory, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure, man. You Mate, can I'm hear more up. from Rory himself on his YouTube channel. Uh, the link is in the description below. And you can also hear more from myself and Rory, McCola and Rory, on the McCola and Rory podcast. Um, and maybe I'll get him on Uncensored again when, when Steve goes AWOL. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us, mate, Rory. You got, you got anything really else you want to plug? That no, I mate. No, that's perfect. I appreciate I appreciate you mentioning the YouTube channel and podcast and that. But no, it's, I've had a really good time, Ad. It's been great fun. I'd love to, love to do it again if there's ever room for me. Podcast Network.